Hey everyone, I am super excited to announce a new online program, the Champion Sports Physical Therapy Mentorship. I've teamed up with Dan Pope and Dave Tilly to create this brand new 12-week mentorship program, and we're now opening it up to the very first cohort on June 10th. We hear all the time from people that they wish they had more mentoring and people they can learn from to help accelerate their careers. We're going to take you through all our foundations of sports physical therapy, including our clinical evaluation, working with non-operative and post-operative patients, building return to sport programs, and even learning advanced phase rehab and strength and conditioning principles for rehab professionals. In addition, we're going to have a bunch of case studies, a community, and live sessions to interact and ask us questions. We really can't wait. Check out the show notes to learn more and sign up today. The first cohort starts June 10th. On this episode of the Ask Mike Rhino Show, we talk about some of our strategies for helping people get back to overhead pressing exercises in the gym. The Ask Mike Rhino Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the introduction to performance therapy and training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back everybody to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I'm here at Champion with some of the crew, PT, strength and conditioning coaches, answering your questions. Head to MikeReynolds.com, click on that podcast link so you can fill out the form and be sure to subscribe to us so you can get these future episodes wherever you listen to your podcast. So let's see, we have Jonah Monlock, Dwesh Podell, Mike Scudetto, Lenny McCrina, Dan Pope, Dave Tilly, and Kevin Coughlin here answering your questions for this episode. Len, let's, um, I, man, I, I like how we, we, we almost have stadium seating right now for the uh, students yep. right now. I like the way we've all yep. positioned themselves. That was solid work right there, uh, you guys. But who do we have for students today? We have some amazing students that um, we've had for the past couple of months, and it's great to introduce them. So appreciative of you guys. Um, we have uh, Daniel Quillen from Mary Baldwin University. We have Chris Clary from Anderson University in South Carolina. We have Matt Ellison. There's Matt from University of Wisconsin at La Crosse. I think George Davies used to be a professor there, right? Our friend George Davies. Um, Jake Woodrich from Duville University in Duville, Buffalo, New York. And Anthony Vedetto, hometown boy from Massachusetts College of Pharmacy Health Professional Sciences, where they teach pharmacy first. Lenny, did you buy new Converse, by the way? I see a box behind you. You're rocking Converse right now? This is hilarious. This is all my my parents moved out of the house I grew up in, so they gave me all of my baseball cards. So this is a sticker <laughs> album from 1982 that Mike probably is well aware of. eBay. Uh, I 82 tops. What I'm going to do with this. It's going to end up in an attic or my basement. I just haven't done it yet. So yeah, this is all my <laughs> baseball stuff. So if I show you on the other side of my camera, I literally just packed up all my baseball cards into a box to go put in my attic. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm like, oh wow, this one just sold for half a million dollars. Like, oh, I'll put it in the attic. Attic. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to do with it. If anybody knows how to sell expensive like cards, especially like Jordan rookies or something, please DM us. Tell us what to do. We'll give you uh, like two percent, not too much. We will give you two percent, but anyway. Uh, I know like, Mike needs um, a good security camera in his house now because everybody's heading for his attic. I guess so. It's not graded or anything, but anyway. All right. So what do, what do we have for a question today? Who's up today? We got Dan. 
Yes, sir. Um, so we have Paul from Florida wants to know, um, I have seen several people with shoulder pain that want to return to the gym, but have limited overhead mobility. It seems that the only thing that hurts them is doing exercises overhead in the gym. How do you get people back to the gym pain-free in the future? You don't. I, that's a great question, right? I like that too. And I like how it's, I like how this is a particular population that the only thing that bugs them is the overhead activities at the gym, which, you know, you can almost argue to me that's like stage one. And if they keep like, like flaring it up, then, then things around the house are going to start bugging them too. But, um, you know, that's an interesting process. I know we could probably go in a lot of different ways. I definitely want to hear about how the strength coaches kind of like, you know, regress and progress them and stuff like that. But, um, I don't know who wants to take the lead on some of the strategies here. Uh, maybe Dan, I mean, I mean, they want to be pain free in the future. That sounds like fitnesspainfree.com <laughs> to me. So Dan, when you have somebody like this, what's, what's some of your keys to, to working with them? Yeah, I think the big one, and this is a personal opinion, and I, I think it's a misconception is that when you have pain doing overhead motions and you have limited overhead mobility, the reason why you hurt is because you have limited overhead mobility. Now, <clears throat> the reason why I feel like this is probably wrong is that most folks, when they press something overhead, they have kind of this painful arc. So simply like when you press, <clears throat> it's not like the lockout kills. And certainly mm. it could be in some folks. It's more of the mid-range, you know. As you press the barbell from shoulder level to maybe like forehead level, that's usually what kills most folks, right? And the thing is, if you mobilize a shoulder joint, just open up the range of motion more and more, then essentially when you finish a press, you're at the very, very end range of your motion, and I would argue that's actually a little tougher on your joint than being in more of a partial range. You know, um, I think that folks have limited overhead mobility. It's going to limit their ability to, let's say, snatch or jerk well. Right. And it may increase the amount of extension their lower back takes when they press overhead, which leads to some injuries. But I think when you're trying to get someone to be less painful with overhead pressing in the gym, just doing a ton of mobility work is not going to fix it, you know. Um, so I think, Hey, that's a big misconception. Do you need the mobility? Yes, yeah, certainly work on it, but I don't know if that's going to make you pain free. And then for me, I just do a lot of strengthening and movements that are relatively tolerable, right? So you might have to go from pressing overhead to doing more of a horizontal press, right? So maybe you're doing more flat bench. Maybe you start with some incline stuff. Eventually you work towards landmine work. You start with kind of lighter loads, uh, slower speeds and work up the faster speeds over the course of time. Um, I also think that adding a lot of specific rotator cuff stuff is helpful. I know there's a lot of arguments out there right now in terms of whether or not we need to do rotator cuff work. I still do. I think it's very relevant, helps to reduce pain and allow you to press more overhead. And it's just a slow progression back. And then once they're back to pressing in the gym, let's make some smart decisions, right? Do we need to be doing strict, you know, military overhead press? Like maybe, maybe not, right? If this is a CrossFit person, then yes. They really want to do it, then yes, they're going to have to be able to tolerate those positions. But um, once they get pain free, you have to be smart with your programming over the course of time. Yeah, I like the way you brought up the thing about overhead mobility. I think that makes a lot of sense, right? It's not oftentimes that you just only have pain at extreme end range overhead position. I like that. Um, Dan, do you think there's a chance, though? that their limited overhead mobility is kind of screwing up their scapulohumeral rhythm, right? And the way those work together. And maybe, 
I, I don't know if I'm ready to completely say that that's not correlated to a lack of mobility. And, but I do agree with you. It's probably not a hundred percent either, right? Sometimes it's just a painful arc from just rotator cuff, uh, you know, irritation, for example. But I want, I do wonder though, if there's that decreased mobility is either changing the, the scap's ability to, to, to move and position the humeral head or even the humerus's ability. And maybe that, that, that end range motion is just further down the chain. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I know he kind of, you know, threw that back at you, but like, it, 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 do you think that that is relevant or do you think it, it, it's just a completely different mechanism? I think so. Um, I would say it probably comes down to the individual a little bit. Right. I tend to think of, you know, solutions in terms of lowest hanging fruit. Right. And I think mobility is probably part of that, but I think people are missing that the big players, which is kind of, progressing loads, you know, gradually over the course of time. Um, and I've certainly seen folks where they have weird shoulder pain. So I have an Olympic weightlifter right now and he's very limited with his glenohumeral range of motion. So he's the type of guy that has limited motion on one side and he has a ton of upward rotation on the side that's stiff and painful. And he's got pain right around the shoulder blade. So I think for him, he actually needs to have more mobility within the glenohumeral joint or maybe the teres major. One of those players that's going to um, allow a little less upward rotation because he's probably getting too much motion there is my best guess, right? And you probably have folks that are on the opposite end of the spectrum, right? They need to have a little bit more motion covering from the shoulder blade. Um, I think you make the argument for folks have a lot of instability. They tend to have a little less upward rotation. We have to teach them to use their scaps a little bit more. Uh, so I guess to answer your question, yes, I think it's relevant for most, but it probably is going to depend a lot on the individual, you know, and you just kind of supply what that person needs I think this is just backlash for me. Maybe I just get triggered. I got to just calm down a little bit, but I see so many folks <laughs> are like, my, my patients can't press overhead because they have pain. It's mobility. That's the reason. And how do I mobilize them? You know, it's like, well, that's a player, but you know, there's a, there's a big, you know, we're missing some of the, the bigger points there, I think. Yeah. I mean, just like everything else, right? It's there's it, it'd be very rare for it to just be one thing and not another. I mean, it's it depends on the person. There's so many things that build into that. So uh, that's a great way of doing it. And and I just want to again emphasize Dan's point here, though, is that what we probably do wrong more than anything else is that we either completely deload them like 100 percent, or we don't load them enough on their progression back and work through a little bit. That's not how you help people get better. So I thought that was an excellent uh, statement in there, uh, Dave. From your perspective, right? I know you, we're talking about getting back to the gym with overhead activities but obviously you have a sport with overhead activities uh, does this uh does this change at all like dan's uh kind of uh you know treatment approach is that training at all for you for athletes that need to perform at their end range overhead well i think the interesting thing that's different about gymnastics and like circus gymnastics whatever is like our overhead stuff is pretty much like the majority of it is like really high traction and compression forces so like we're not getting a ton of just like pressing volume it's like either like a lot of like overhead hitting like posterior inferior glenoid and like stuff like that, or it's really high traction forces. So I think like the, the argument that Dan makes too, which is like, I'm actually more of a fan of kind of pushing the strengthening and the isolated cuff work. And like some of that, like, sure, some soft tissue stuff will be helpful, particularly if they're lax overhead and you think maybe, okay, we have some excessive joint motion coming capsular and straining the cuff maybe possibly. But I send I tend to see a lot of people who are not really just handling just pure load. It's like a workload issue combined with like, not to be you know, harsh about it, but you're just weak. You know what I mean? Like you're just like generally doing a sport that's 10, 15, 20 times your body weight and you're 13, 15, you know, like these <laughs> skills are in like a certain release skills in particular that like young male and female gymnasts do, like they're enormously high traction forces. And I just think it's just straight up an equation of overload and volume, you know, and workload to 
maybe not having enough baseline personally. Yeah. You know what you guys both made me think of a little bit here too, is like, I see some of these rabbit holes that early career professionals can go down, like through social media and stuff where, you know, this is, this is, isn't going to work. This is going to work. This is going to work. This is the only thing that works, right? Where when it comes down to it, I think like if in this person, if you're not addressing isolated rotator cuff weakness, if you're not addressing a mobility issue, if you're not addressing good scapular movement, and this is just the basic biomechanics. And then if you're not addressing load progression, if you're not addressing like a work capacity type thing, you're going to miss the boat somewhere. I mean, just you, you have to address everything and everybody because it's all an equation of those factoring together. It's very rare that it's only one thing. So I see a lot of early career professionals try to get, you know, on these trends where like, ah, that's, you know, that's not that good. That's not that good. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do load. Right. And, and you know, that sometimes, sometimes they miss the boat on that. Right. Yeah. And one more thing just to jump in that. I think I see a lot of things on Instagram, particularly with like hard, maybe like drifting to us, like there's three components, right? Mobility, strength, dynamic stability. You could argue workloads and umbrella, but I just see a lot more people just doing like the most insane dynamic stability drills only. They think like if you have shoulder pain <laughs> at a certain angle, just do like wall staves and like then bottoms up kettlebells, then earthquake bar. And like those things have benefit, but like just making someone's shoulder shake a lot is not going to help out with their pressing yeah. pattern. So you, you you miss something, right? I mean, it comes down to it. You missed it, right? And I, I think Dan said it really well, when, you know, in, in that second part there, where there, there could be a lot of reasons. It depends on the person in front of you. But I think there's a solid chance that it's many reasons in each person, right? It's very rare that it's just, oh, it's just one thing that we need to do. Everything else is great. Just this one thing, right? Um, uh, Jonah, what do you think from like a gym perspective when somebody's coming into you, you know, for you know, get back into the gym. I know Dan talked about going horizontal versus vertical. Any other tips that you have for helping athletes get back or people just get back into the gym, back into overhead if it's been bugging them? Yeah, I think a lot of what Dan said is exactly what I would do. A um, couple little things to just kind of add on that he touched on a little bit, but um, figuring out where those mobility restrictions may come from. And so if we're give, telling somebody to do some self myofascial release or any specific stretches, if we can figure out if their pec is tight or if Terry's is tight or if lat is tight, those types of things can help make sure that we're making good use of our time rather than, oh, here's our standard six overhead mobility drills, go spend the next 15 minutes doing this stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I think the other big piece of it really is finding the exercises that are, are tolerable, things that you can load up pretty well. I think some people might go wrong where like they try to do say a half kneeling one dumbbell overhead press and they can only use like a few pounds they're like oh awesome we can do this with just a couple pounds i would rather than be on like a slight incline on a bench in an exercise that they actually can load up so they actually can build some strength through it if you have someone who's overall pretty strong i don't think you're going to get a ton out of a really light loaded exercise um, unless it is like your direct rotator cuff work but um, so I think really just trying to find those exercises that they can tolerate, ideally as close to the overhead motion as possible, um, playing around with dumbbells versus barbell versus landmine, all that sort of stuff. And then if you are going to do mobility work with them, really working hard to try to figure out exactly where their restrictions are coming from so that you can save your client time and give them a more direct plan. 
I like that specificity too, right? I think that's the key, right? If you're trying to get the best results in the shortest amount of time, you got to be, you know, laser focused on that, right? Um, uh, good stuff. So we talked a little bit about just regressing and changing exercise a little bit. Do anything from your perspective on workload management, right? Is this, you know, how, how do you how do you get them back in terms of workload management? You know, Jonah regress them. Dan's worked on their stability, their mobility, anything they may need. Set up a program with Jonah on on regressions and, and starting to look. Them. How do you manipulate workloads for somebody in there? Is there anything you do in, in that fashion? Yeah, I think initially you got to have a little bit of that time period of not constantly irritating whatever area is irritated, right? So if overhead pressing for the time being is very irritable, get rid of it for a little bit. Don't be afraid to, to do so. Um, now, with that said, you guys have all mentioned it already. We don't not train. We still train, but like dance that, do a little bit of horizontal. When horizontal feels good and we can load it up a little bit, introduce a little bit more angle. Um, when that feels good, introduce even a little bit more angle, and then you can kind of slowly get there. Um, and then as far as when we actually get into the true overhead work, start conservative with the amount of you know volume and, and intensity that you are prescribing. So your overall workload has to almost disappear for a little bit in the true overhead work, and then slowly get reintroduced, start conservative while you're kind of building all the other ends of the things that you guys talked about in terms of mobility, dynamic stability, general strength for, you know, specific rotator cuff work, but also the specific musculature that's involved for pressing like your pecs and your delts and all that stuff. So that's, uh, that's kind of how I would attack it. Yeah, it makes sense too. I, I'm sure like Dan, you probably see a ton of people that just want to just jump right back into where they were, right? Same workload, same intensity, same load, right? So that's a, that's a good tweak, Dewey. Um, I think that's a good one. So uh, awesome. Well, Paul, I, I hope that helps. I think that was, you know, a good multifaceted <laughs> approach on how to help these people, uh, some of the concepts behind it. Uh, really appreciate the question. If you have something like that, head to micron.com, click on that podcast link, fill out the form, and please subscribe, Apple uh, Podcast, Spotify, whatever you do to listen to your podcast. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. See you in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinal.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.